You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Kick off a six-game homestand. The Calgary Flames, another third-period comeback and a thrilling OT victory. As you heard from Derek Wills, Mackenzie Weger is your overtime hero. And the Calgary Flames start their six-game homestand off on the right foot. Welcome in to another edition of Sportsnet Today, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. What a night it was at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Only three goals scored, but it feels like there's ten different topics to get to. Huge win for the Flames. Resilient as always. They beat the defending cup champs. Oh, and we found out like 90 minutes before the game that Jacob Markstrom was ill and not able to start. And we had an e-bug last night in Calgary. We'll hear from Dusty Nickel, who was the star of the post game last night in Calgary. He met the media in the Flames locker room. He joined Pat on the Flames Talk post-game show and probably had a few interesting moments on the bench when Dan Vladar got run into by either a Vegas Golden Knight or his own teammate. Uh, We'll talk about that to kick off the program in just a few minutes. We'll also hear from head coach Ryan Huska, his thoughts on a good win for his group. Flames are off on Tuesday. They'll be back at practice on Wednesday as they get set to welcome in the Dallas Stars for game two of this six-game homestand. So lots of Flames coverage coming your way. Also on the program today, Scott Laughlin from Sirius XM NHL Radio is going to join us. Plenty around the NHL right now. The Minnesota Wild fired their head coach. Patrick Kane has a new home. Matthew and Brady, the Kachucks, going fist-to-fist last night. And a wild game between the Panthers and the Senators. And then there's this whole Corey Perry, Chicago Blackhawks situation, which took another interesting turn today. Uh, We'll hear from GM Kyle Davidson, who's set to address the media in Chicago. He's set to go about 3 o'clock Eastern time, or 3 o'clock Mountain time, I should say 5 o'clock Eastern. And we should get more details, but Corey Perry... Has been placed on waivers. The Blackhawks said to terminate his contract 
Should he clear waivers? Uh, and that's a whole mess of a situation going on in Chicago right now. So Scott Laughlin going to join us to chat about uh, everything around the NHL right now. And we'll also chat some NFL with our pal Zig Fricasse. He's going to join us uh, also from SiriusXM, but on the NFL side. The Carolina Panthers dumping their head coach midway through the first uh, year of his contract. How much pressure is on Bryce Young right now? Also, the Bears taking down the Vikings in a snoozer on Monday Night Football. We'll get to all of that and more as the program goes on. Quick reminder, the fan feedback line is always open to you. Shoot us a text if you're listening live, 960-960. Would love to chat with you on the text line today. Anything that you want to talk about, anything on the Flames, NHL, we'll get to all of it uh, as the day goes on. My outstanding producers on this Tuesday edition of the program are Cam and Taylor. But yes, the Calgary Flames are where we will begin today. A massive 2-1 win over the Vegas Golden Knights to kick off this six-game homestand. And where do you want to start? Another third-period comeback from the group. A strong defensive effort. Dan Vladar, the star of the show. Dusty Nickel, the emergency backup goaltender. There was a ton to love last night from the Calgary Flames perspective. And Dan Vladar has to be at the top of the list. We will talk about another strong comeback from this team. But Dan Vladar stepping in on short notice on a day that, as you will hear from Dan in a minute here, because he spoke to the media last night as well, as he talked about, non-game days for backup goaltenders generally involve staying out for extra work with the goalie coach and a couple of shooters, and Dan put in, as he usually does on days that he's not going to start, an extra hour plus of work before heading home and getting ready for the game, only to find out, like we all did at the last moment, that Jacob wasn't ready to go, was dealing with an illness, and he would have to start. He doesn't make back-to-back starts very often. It's something that Daryl Sutter tried for a period last season. It didn't work out great for Dan. He obviously got to start Saturday in Colorado and was okay in that matchup. Maybe not his best performance, but he thought... He was okay. Well, he was better than okay last night. He was a brick wall for the Calgary Flames. Yes, the Vegas Golden Knights do get a power play goal in the first period. It's a fortuitous bounce, I would say, off of Ladar's pads that go on that goes on the stick of William Carlson and leads to the only goal Vegas would get all night. But past that, what else could you possibly ask for from Dan Vladar on short notice? He battled all night. He battled really from the beginning of the night when William Carrier got mixed up in front of the net and winds up bowling him over. That's a massive moment. And if you've listened to any of the stories, as I'm sure many of you have, about the emergency backup goaltender and the situations that we've seen in NHL history where an e-bugs actually had to enter the game, there's a lot of pressure on the goaltender with NHL experience to not let that happen. That regardless of what happens, if I get hurt, if I get banged up, whatever the situation is, I'm finishing this out because as cool of a story as David Ayers was 
with the Carolina Hurricanes and coming to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in that game that we all remember. That's the last place that Dan Vladar wants to put Dusty Nickel in. Like, that's a nightmare five minutes into a hockey game for Dan to be like, I can't go. You got to put a guy in that, you know, last played for the Mount Royal Cougars six, seven years ago and is a practice goaltender when the goalies need a day off in Calgary. Again, it's a fun story, but it's also one that can be a pretty negative one, especially if it comes, like I mentioned, four or five minutes into the first period and it turns into a shooting gallery. There's just no way of of asking a guy like Dusty Nickel to come in and and shoulder the load of a regular NHL goaltender. But Dan Vladar fought through it even in the second period on a back check from Mackenzie Weger. He gets tangled up coming in and sort of takes out the legs of Dan Vladar. And once again, everybody in the Saddle Dome holds their breath. And the cameras pan over to Dusty, try to get his reaction. But Dan just popped right back up, shook it off, got back in the goal, and continued to be a rock for the Calgary Flames last night. A very, very deserving first star for Dan Vladar. And a first star effort from the Calgary Flames as a whole. Again, I don't know what this means in terms of this team making the playoffs or how it determines their future one way or another with these UFAs that we've talked so much about. But this resilient, never quit kind of attitude that they've grown into, I love it. It's it's a hell of a lot more entertaining than the hockey we got last year. It's It was fun to be at the Scotiabank Saddledome. I think the crowd appreciated it. I think the guys are having more fun with that. And look, even if it doesn't mean you're a Stanley Cup champion, I still think you want to find an identity as a team. And I think that you want your core group of players to have an identity and have a, a, a an idea of what they are as a team going forward rather than the guessing game that was last season and was, to be honest, the beginning of this season. I had no idea what this team was. Were they a skilled group that was underperforming? Were they going to be a hardworking group? Were they going to be a physical group? Were they going to be a, a team that needed to grind out one nothing? Whatever it was. We didn't know what this team was going to be, and they've taken it upon themselves to become a resilient group and a group that you know, I think if other NHL teams are getting set to come in on this homestand for the Flames, be prepared to play 60 minutes. Because whatever the score is going into the third period, the Calgary Flames are going to make a push. And it's not going to work out every night. And of course, of course you'd rather lead the game. It'd be great. I'm sure the Flames would love to get out to a three or four goal lead in the first period sometime during this homestand. And I don't want to say put it in cruise control, but, you know, maybe not have to stress to the final buzzer for a couple of games. But when that doesn't happen, and if that's not going to happen, I'm sure glad that we're seeing a team that's still willing to work its ass off and get back into games because too many times last year, one nothing, 2 nothing, 3-1, 2-1, the game was over. And you knew it was over. 
You knew there wasn't a push coming. You knew there wasn't a fight back coming from this group. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was the the group of players. Has it been the youngsters coming in? Has it been a a mindset change in the organization? Has it been uh, the coaching staff change? I don't know what to pin it on. I'm just glad that they've found an identity that they can work with going forward. And I think if you're a fan of this team, regardless of what's going to happen with all of those guys that we've talked about, I hope that stays. I really hope that that is the mindset and the mentality that this group continues to build off of because it's it's so important for them to have that identity and to know what they are rather than just circling around the drain as a team that can't figure it out on a night-to-night basis. Uh, let's head to the Flames locker room. Flash you back to Monday night. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. Lots to like for the head coach post-game. Touches on e-bug Dusty Nickel. His thoughts on Dan Vladar. The power play didn't score against the Vegas Golden Knights, but maybe had some encouraging moments. Here's the head coach's thoughts following a 2-1 OT win for his group against the defending Stanley Cup champions. How did you feel about uh, your team today? Um, pretty good. I mean, there was, there were stretches where um, you know we were on our heels a little bit, but... It's not an easy game to come back and play after a road trip. And the way Vegas plays, they're a heavy, hard team to get inside on. They're a heavy, hard team to play against. So I, I was happy with what our guys were able to do tonight. When, uh, when a guy crashes into your goalie two minutes and 35 seconds into a game and you have an e-bug on, on the bench, what goes through your mind as a coach? Um, that it should have been more than a two-minute minor, <laughs> I felt. Um, but, you know, I... I once Vladdy moved around, I knew he was fine. So, you know, the guys love Dusty. Dusty comes out with us a fair bit whenever we need to rest a goalie or if we have someone that needs some extra time. So they love having him around. So it was a pretty cool experience for him, but our, our players enjoyed it as well. You see with the performance of Dan Vladar getting the start? Yeah. <clears throat> Not an easy thing. Like he found out just before my meeting at 530. Um, so he got his extra work this morning, which isn't easy for goaltenders. And to find out late, he doesn't even really have a chance to prepare. So he did an amazing job, by far his best game of the year for us. And there were some key moments in the game where it could have went the other direction off of some turnovers, and he made some big saves for us. Um, so he was most definitely first star in my books tonight. I'd say a pretty amazing, unique experience for Dustin. Did, did he talk to him before the game? I and mean, what, what do you say? No, I just gave him the knuckles. You know, uh, there is, he's, he's a good kid. He really is. Um, there was one practice last year where he was out with us. We were doing a drill where there was a lot of tic-tac-toe stuff, and he stayed in there for the whole thing, but he ripped his groin at the end of it. Um, so, as I said, the guys love having him around, so it's not something you ever want to see yourself in like we were tonight, but um, we're, we're happy for him. It's quite the experience. Is there a stop for Vladar that stands out for you that was uh, the, yeah, the biggest? the breakaway one. For me, um, when we had the turnover on the offensive blue line there, that's a big save. Um, and then I felt after that, um, we were a little hesitant at times. We were starting to throw pucks away, and they got some pretty good chances after that as well. But he was he was sound and solid in his in his game tonight. Beyond beyond Vladar, your defenseman did a really good job of limiting Vegas' forwards. Like, what did you see that they did well versus Vegas? Um, I, I, 
I thought they stayed close to our net for one. I thought part of the, the help that we had from our forwards through the neutral zone, we limited some of their speed that they like to create. So I, I think it's kind of more of a joint thing than just the defensemen. Um, we didn't give um, some of their their top-end or high-end guys a ton of room in the neutral zone tonight. What was in your mind when you saw Mackenzie Weger skate up ice with all that time left in overtime? I, I didn't even, um, with the five seconds left when he scored, um, yeah, I was happy he scored for sure, but I was worried a little bit about the offside. I didn't even notice the potential for maybe an interference call there at the time because I thought it might be close to offside, but I got off the bench fairly quickly, so didn't want didn't want to hang around. We talked about the power play a lot this year. What did you make of that group tonight against I thought, Vegas? I thought it was better. I mean, it was better tonight for sure. Even in overtime, the four on three, you don't often get a lot of them, but they they had a shoot mentality, and that's important for us. So it's it's not something that you're going to snap your fingers at, and it's going to be better overnight. Um, oftentimes, um, it's got to hit rock bottom before it gets better, and hopefully we've hit that point. Um, but there is some signs of it being quicker and being more aggressive tonight. Updates on Chris Tanev? Uh, I don't have any, you know. So he's 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 moving around. He's fine in that regard, but I don't have anything in regards to timeline. No, I was gonna say fair to say that you know Tanev is a warrior to say the least in yeah. terms of what he's been able to go through and keep bouncing back. Um, yeah. What can you say about his performance? Even he, though he's the best. You wish that everybody had what he had. You know, he's got a different level of courage that. If you can give a little bit of what he's got to other guys on your team, man, whew, he's a pretty special person, a special player for sure. Igor Sharangovich played nearly 22 minutes uh, tonight. He hadn't played more than 19 all season. I feel like it was only a week and a half ago that he was playing less than 10 against the Islanders, I think. I mean, is that a sign of your confidence growing in him and then how he's playing? Yeah, he's done some good things lately. Like, he's working on the areas we want him to work on, and I, he's got a skill set that we need. So we want to see him in those situations. And the one thing we don't have a lot of when we speak of power play is one-time shooting threats, and he is one. So if he can get himself feeling comfortable in that area, that's great. He's also a penalty killer for us. So when you're in playing those minutes, it's, it's going to add up for sure. What did you think of Connor's area tonight? He only played under 12 minutes, but he did get an assist. Yeah, I thought he was, I thought he was fine. I can just follow up on Zary, not just tonight. Like, I think he just became the first flamethrower. I, I think, well, it started with him coming up with confidence, and he was able to make plays um, to start with, where our team at the time when he was brought up, we were more of a fragile group where it, it wasn't pretty a lot of nights with what we were trying to do. And he was at the point where he was feeling really good about his game. And when he came up, you could see the confidence that he had. And I think there's been some uh, connection with Naz. Um, and he's just continued to do it for the most part. He's, he's made smart plays when he had nothing. He'll throw it in the corner like a, an NHL player should do. Um, and when he has an opportunity to make a play, he's made some good plays for us, for sure. There you go. Flames head coach Ryan Huska, his thoughts following a big overtime win for his team Monday night against the Vegas Golden Knights. Some of your texts at 960-960. The fan feedback line is always open to you. Uh, mentioned the Kachuk Bowl last night. They've got a little out of hand between the Senators and the Panthers. Uh, Ethan and High River uh, texted in. Kachuk and punches, they were, man. They were. Brady and Matthew have been in a couple of testy situations before. I've never seen them tripping at each other like they were last night. 
Uh, it was hilarious, and I know Cam and Taylor, you guys loved the uh, everybody on the ice gets to 10-minute misconduct. That, that's probably the that's it. The best ref call we'll get all year. I've had enough. Everybody on the ice gets 10 minutes of misconduct. That's it. No more. Uh, this one says, for 20 hours, my dad and I have been cracking, out, cracking up about something Pat said yesterday. Uh, the Flames power play showing too much stationary movement. Uh, that's not a thing, Pat. Yeah, we're all trying to figure out the power play at this point. Uh, as you heard from Ryan there, it's gotten better, but it's still um, not at the level that they want to get it to yet. Uh, Dust, uh, John and Sherwood Park texting in saying Vladar was unconscious last night. Maybe they should run him early in every game. Um, Shubes texting in our pal on the text line, 960-960. What a great story for Dusty last night. So stoked for him. He was an absolute beauty. Uh, We're going to hear from him in just a second because uh, I wanted to share with uh, everybody, in case you missed it last night, just how excited this guy was and uh, what a great uh, guy he clearly is. The Flames in the locker room had nothing but good things to say about the guy whenever he's around, so... We'll hear from Dusty in just a few moments. And uh, Matt and Cochran texting in. I'm pretty convinced Carrier ran into Vladar on purpose after re-watching the play. Yeah, it's a tricky one, Matt. Um, I tend to agree in a sense. I kind of think he knew what he was doing. I think that's why we heard Ryan Huska quickly mention maybe it should have been more than a a two-minute minor in his mind. Um, I, I, I mean... It's hard to prove intent, right? But it sure seemed like an awful coincidence looking back at the play, knowing there's an e-bug on the ice. I don't know that that's what Carey's out to do, but, man, is it a dangerous thing to have happen. Uh, okay, quickly, want to get you this. Uh, Dustin Nickel, the story of the night last night, one of the stories of last night, there was a ton of them, uh, comes in as the e-bug, finds out last minute uh, that he is set to back up Dan Vladar, in an NHL game, uh, how did he find out? Friends, family, anything? What is his phone doing? Uh, he spoke to us in the media in the Flames locker room Monday night following uh, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, defeated the hands of the Calgary Flames and uh, talked about what a cool experience it was for him. Here is uh, the newest legendary e-bug in Calgary, Dustin Nickel. What was this night like for you? Uh, it was pretty surreal. It happened pretty quick, and I uh, just wanted to kind of take it all in as much as you could. And um, yeah, it was a whirlwind. So it was, uh, it was exciting. When Markstrom, or rather, when Vladar went down, there was that moment everybody kind of looked. What were you experiencing when he went down? Did you feel like, whoa, or were you taking it in stride? Uh, you know what? It was so much. There was so much going through my, my head at that point, and uh, uh, I was hoping he was getting up. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, I wasn't quite sure what to think at that point yet, but it was uh, a little bit of a whirlwind and I uh, was watching pretty close to see how that was going to go and uh, I was going to see him get up and uh, battle through and he had an awesome game after that. So, The uh-oh, is that is that fear like maybe we don't know? Is that a scary feeling or is that a, let's see where this goes. Uh, especially when you look up and you're seeing 55 minutes left of the game. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How were you feeling during warm-up? You know, we saw you kind of go around. There was one point you kind of bumped into Michael Backlund. Kind of take us through what it was like. Yeah, uh, I, my goal is to go out there and try to stay out of everybody's way as much as possible and didn't fail or didn't or succeed at that, I guess. And uh, uh, but I was just kind of taking it all in. There's obviously a lot going on and uh, just really try to take it all in is, you know, get that opportunity to do that, right? So There's nearly 20,000 people out there. What's the biggest crowd you would have played uh, in prior tonight? 
Uh, that would have been the biggest for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember like the, oh, the next biggest? Maybe three thousand at most. Maybe in yeah. junior at some point. Yeah. Did you check your phone? And if so, what's it doing? Is it blowing? Who have you heard from? Like, I haven't even turned it on yet, no. so I imagine it's probably blowing up pretty good. Yeah. Did you get a chance to get any friends or family into the game before you found out you were going to be there? It happened so fast. I texted my dad, and uh, pretty well said, "Sounds like I'm dressing tonight." And that was my phone went off, and that was it. So yeah. How was the contract negotiation before? <laughs> uh, maybe I need to get an agent. I don't know if I was a good negotiator on it. <laughs> that was totally good this unfold from your perspective like obviously you're you're here a lot of the games you're, you have your routine how i guess different was today like uh were you already on your way what, what would, when did you find out you were playing yeah you were addressing yeah so uh, i actually woke up from a nap to a text from labar at about 5 30 um kind of let me know that this is uh possibly going to come in here and dress and just kind of be ready and uh, i live pretty close by so i just jumped into my truck and came here and tried to do business as usual and get a warm-up in and Try to uh, stay calm, I guess. How did the guys make you feel welcome, or how was it being in the locker room before the game and, and interacting with these guys at this level? Oh, the guys were awesome. They were so welcome when I came in here and made me feel comfortable about it, and uh, uh, we had a lot of fun. So it was, uh, they were awesome. So wait, if you woke up from a nap at 5.30, what time did you get to the rink for a 7.30 start? Uh, I was here by about 6. I lived pretty close by, so it was a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, I was <laughs> dropping some food in your mouth and a banana, and out you go. So, yeah, it was yeah, pretty quick. That's a, a banana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, do, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm kind of running my own businesses. So uh, I run a construction company and I'm a goalie coacher in the city as well. Okay. I, I think Dan said you tore your groin practicing with the team. Is that right? Uh, yeah, there was a lot late last year. Uh, I came on the skate with the guys and had a little bit of an injury there, but the team was awesome. We got rehab and came back to it, and it was uh, awesome to get back and skating again. Justin, you also talked about, uh, here, my friend, just about you and how much, like, in terms of Dan, how much he appreciated you guys being on the ice and what it meant for you. When you hear words like that, how do you feel? How do you respond? Uh, I mean, that's special. I mean, this is such a cool opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to be here. I know, um, you know, every kid's dream is to play in the NHL. And if, whether this is what it is, the opportunity to come out here and do that and uh, be around the guys and skate with them, um, just super special. Budget list. I guess check out. Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah. There was a moment it looked like with Logan Thompson. I don't know if there's any crossover between the two of you, Buffaloes, Canucks, all that stuff, and there's probably some age difference there. But what was was there any banter and between the Vegas side and yourself? Did anyone say anything to you? Uh, no, I kind of looked over there. I think I caught him off uh, off guard a few times. He had to do a couple trouble, trouble, trouble takes. He was kind of looking at me, not quite sure who I was, what was going on there. So uh, I got to chuckle a little bit, no banter back and forth. No, I know we are both both grew up in Calgary here, and uh, we haven't crossed paths until today, so that was kind of a, a cool moment. Do you get to take home souvenirs or just grab what you want? Like, is there other rules to it? Uh, I don't know. I got to talk to them about that yet, so I'm not quite sure, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Dusty Nickel, the e-bug last night for the Calgary Flames. What a cool story. What an awesome guy. He was just a blast. He was smiling ear to ear uh, doing the media. I know he went over and talked to Steinberg on the Flames Talk postgame show, uh, and what a cool experience for him. And clearly uh, a fan favorite uh, among the locker room there for uh, the Calgary Flames who see Dusty all the time as their sort of extra goaltender around the Saddle Dome when a guy needs a day off. Uh, so congratulations to Dusty. Hope he had a great uh, great memory of what happened last night. We'll uh, hopefully find out more uh, about Jacob Markstrom on Wednesday ahead of the game against the Dallas Stars on Thursday and see if we have an update on the Flames' number one goaltender. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side, continue talking hockey. Scott Laughlin's going to join us, host of Sirius XM NHL Radio. 
Lots going on around the NHL world right now to dive in with Scott. Uh, Patrick Kane has come to a decision. He's got a new home. The Minnesota Wild have fired their head coach. The Kachuk Bowl with Brady and Matthew boiled over last night. we got a ton to get to. Stick with us. It's Sportsnet Today, and it's live here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. All right, rolling on this hour. Coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Of course, we were focused in last night on the Calgary Flames and the Vegas Golden Knights, but there is a ton going on around the NHL right now. Patrick Kane has a new home. The Minnesota Wild are making big changes. You probably didn't see much of it unless you checked the highlights or were on Twitter today. But Matthew and Brady had an all-time Kachuk battle in Ottawa while the Sins got spanked by the Panthers. A ton of cool storylines going on right now and a great chance for us to bring on our next guest from Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Uh, joining us this afternoon, it's Scott Laughlin. Scott, thanks for the time today, man. How are you? I'm doing well, Logan. Yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, there's a ton to talk about, uh, I guess, the news of the day. Uh, I know Elliot Friedman was speculating on it on his last uh, podcast with Jeff Merrick, but uh, the Detroit Red Wings wind up being the final suitor for Patrick Kane. How uh, surprised were you to see that Detroit was the landing spot for the former Blackhawk? Well, I got to tell you, Olga, I was surprised, and we're just waiting for the I's to be dotted, the T's to be crossed. And Newsy Lalonde said earlier today at Red Wings practice that they're just waiting on some final health issues to be looked at and to be examined even further before they make it a formality and he gets the contract. I'm a little bit surprised because we're starting to hear it's a one-year deal. And we figured, you know what, if he's going to go to Detroit, he's probably going for term and he's going for a little bit more money than he would have gotten elsewhere. Like, I thought he would have been a great fit with the Carolina Hurricanes in the East, a team that's looking for that extra half goal per game to take that step up the ladder. Uh, apparently, last season, uh, he nixed the, the possibility of going to the New York Islanders. So, the, although they are a team that could use him, I don't think he was too interested in eventually going uh, to UBS Arena to make that home. Uh, I think certainly in the West, you could have looked at Colorado and you could have looked at Dallas and teams like that that would have given him an opportunity, I think, to be a little bit closer to another Stanley Cup championship. So uh, I'm a little bit surprised it's Detroit, uh, if only because it's a short-term contract. And although right now the Wings are having a great season, they're third in the Atlantic Division as we speak, you still wonder, by way of comparison to some of the other possible suitors that were out there, the team names that we've been hearing for the last couple of weeks, you, you kind of wondered whether or not he might take a swing with a team that's a little bit closer to a championship with all due respect. What kind of impact is realistic in your mind for Patrick Kane to have on this sort of team? I know it's a, a hip resurfacing surgery is a tough one for anybody, but I mean, reports have said he's been back practicing. He feels like he's as close to 100% as he has been in a long time. What's a realistic outlook for you when you think about the impact he could have on this Wings team? Well, I think it's a question just because it's such a serious surgery that he's coming off of here, Logan. And, you know, we talked to Ed Jovanovsky a couple of weeks ago, and, and Jovo had that surgery towards the end of his career, uh, and he just couldn't come back from it. I mean, he played, I think, 37 games after he had the hip resurfaced, and it just didn't work out for him. It's a tough injury to come back from. The surgery, of course, entails all kinds of rest and rehab, and we've seen that Nick Backstrom is just over a year from his most recent hip surgery. And the reality is is that he had to take a step away from hockey. He just feels like he's not quite where he once was. 
as a player. So there are, are, are grave concerns, I think, about how he's going to come back and perform physically off the ice. I mean, his agency sent out that great video about a month ago with him working out hard in the gym. But on the ice, it remains to be seen what he can give. Now, I think that initially he's going to be put back onto a line with the likes of Alex DeBrinkett, a guy that certainly he had some chemistry with while playing with Chicago Blackhawks just a couple of seasons ago. So I think that really is a, an opening for him to get in there and play with DeBrinkett once again, see if that chemistry uh, can be conjured up once again and resurrected. So I think he's going to be given every opportunity to be that offensive-type player that Detroit's looking for. Again, with the surgery and all that that entails, I think there's still questions as to how durable he's going to be. And look, we all hope it works out for him the rest of the season, and we hope we see him play for four or five more years after this but I think that's certainly in question from a Detroit perspective is this an indication in your mind Scott that Steve Eisenman uh, expects his team to, to take a step forward and be at a playoff contending spot when the season's done yeah, I think so. I think defensively, this team's a lot better than they were a couple of years ago. And, and Derek Long, when he took over behind the bench, that was one of the things I think Logan, he was trying to do first and foremost, was just cut down on goals against, become a better defensive team. I think they've got some found money here. When you talk about Shane Gostisbehere, and Gostisbehere has come in, and he's played alongside a guy like Mo Sider, who continues to emerge, a guy that's going to hit the jackpot on his next contract, as we know, with Detroit. And I think that really has stabilized that top, that top pairing. And, and beyond that, you've got guys like Jeff Petrie that are kind of fitting in with a, a resurgent-type season from Ben Sherratt. So I think defensively, this team's a lot better than they used to be. Uh, they were still in need of a little bit more offensive boost, and I think that they're hoping that they find some of that, at least with the new number 88, as Daniel Sprong has quit. <laughs> decided that he's going to give the future Hockey Hall of Famer his number back. You didn't have to put up much of a fight for that one. Hey, the, the legend <laughs> comes in. Yeah, I think I think you got 88s okay if you want it. Yeah, you would have thought, though, Logan, he would maybe hold out just for a little bit. Like, you know, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a Rolex necessarily, but at least go out and get me a Timex if that's still such a thing. Yeah, exactly. I think Daniel Sprong <laughs> would have done well to do that. But, hey, I, I give him a, a credit for giving some respect to uh, an NHL great like uh, a Patrick Kane coming in and making him feel welcome. Uh, sticking in division, that Atlantic division, you mentioned the Detroit Red Wings sitting third in there as we chat today, Scott. Uh, the team in front of them is the Florida Panthers, and, uh, what a game last night, if you even want to call it a game, uh, between the Ottawa Senators and the uh, uh, Florida Panthers. Now, we here in Calgary, of course, experienced our fair share of uh, Kachuk matchups when Matthew was a member of the Flames, but never one that boiled over quite to that degree. And then on top of that, I know you guys were talking about it too from a Senators perspective, uh, take away all the penalties and the back and forth stuff. They got spanked on the ice last night, and this is a team now sitting at the bottom of the Atlantic. Yeah, you know, back when, when Calgary and Ottawa used to tangle, I remember used to see mom and dad in the stands, but last night grandma was in the stands as yes. well, and uh, she was appalled by some of the <laughs> uh, some of the things she was seeing out there on the ice uh, from her two grandsons, and you know, that's the great thing about the Kachuk boys, right? I mean, these guys don't pick and choose, and uh, you know, I said earlier today, it's it's kind of like a throwback, and it's a throwback to like when the Hunter brothers used to go head-to-head against each other, and Dave and Dale and, and Mark doing their thing in the NHL for so many years. I remember Keith Primo and Wayne Primo getting into it at one point as well, physically against each other. So you got to love that about them. It's hockey. Uh, I mean, Ottawa obviously has a lot to prove these days. I think they're playing for their coach right now. Didn't play very well for their coach last night, uh, which really makes the next couple of days, I think, in Ottawa a little bit interesting. They're going to not practice tomorrow. 
and apparently they're not getting back on the ice till at least Thursday. Uh, and the reality is, is that this team has got some questions. And look, I think we're just all kind of waiting for a shoe to drop here, aren't we? I mean, as soon as Pierre Dorian was shown the door after Steve Steos was, uh, I think, expectedly brought in by the new owner, Michael Landlauer, uh, we knew he was kind of just living on borrowed time. And I think that's the next coaching change to happen. Uh, it's unfortunate, and especially now that Minnesota's made their change, the next hot spot, the fire to put out around the league here, appears to be the Ottawa Senators. So the schedule's not been doing them any favors either, eh, Logan? When you look at their schedule, uh, they've got a lot of stagger to make up here. They've had a lot of home games, and at some point that might catch up to them as well. Uh, but the reality is they put themselves into a tough predicament here in the Atlantic Division. They sure have. Uh, they've got the least played games of anybody in the NHL right now at 17. Uh, I think next closest is, is Washington at 18. So they're two, they're two, three, even four games behind some in their division already. And like you said, they've got some work to do. Uh, I'm curious if we have, if the coaching move is the first one we see from Steve Stales, because you mentioned he's taken over in the GM spot there. We haven't seen him really put his stamp on this team yet, but coaching seems like the easiest one for a team that's made some player turnover the last couple of years. I mean, we've seen Tarasenko. We've seen Giroux, even saw Jacob Chikrin last year. They've made some player moves, but really DJ Smith kind of the last shoe to fall when it comes to changes for this group. Yeah, I think so, Logan. And, and, and then the question is, well, who's going to come in to take over for a guy like DJ if and when it eventually happens? And it's going to happen at some point. Uh, I think, you know, the name Gene McKee is an interesting one. I mean, he goes back with Ann Lauer to the Hamilton Bulldogs days when they had their success in the Ontario Hockey League and at the Memorial Cup and such. So I think former National Hockey League defenseman Jay McKee could be a, a candidate for a position like that uh, behind the bench. But we'll wait and see. I mean, some would say, hey, why not swing for the fences and go with Patrick Waugh? Uh, the reality is, though, of course, you're bringing in a huge personality into a situation where I think they've had a lot going on there for obvious reasons, and I think they want to get that as quiet as they can to get the focus back on the ice. Uh, again, maybe it happens with DJ. Maybe he survives. Um, I regrettably tend to think that perhaps uh, there'll be a change made here very soon with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, you mentioned it's got uh, the change of coach in Minnesota. The other big news that we're following right now, John Hines is in. Dean Evason is out. Uh, just What was your initial thought when you heard the news that Bill Guerin was going to make a change at coach? I wasn't shocked about this one either, I don't think, Logan. I mean, the reality is is that you, you look at Minnesota and they've lost seven in a row and they're 0-5-2 and, and after their last game, uh, it was Dean himself who came out and said, look, we need something to change here. There's anger, there's frustration. It was almost like he had kind of run out of answers, I think, with this group. And they've had some underachieving players, let's make no mistake about it. Kaprizov has not been nearly as dynamic and productive as you expect him to be. He's going to have to be a lot better. And I think that, you know, this team is a team that at the very least has to get back to the playoffs. As we know, playoffs have been minimum uh, in the way of expectation for the Minnesota Wild. Their big challenge, Logan, has been the fact that they've gotten to the playoffs last season, finishing third again, finishing with 100 points or so, got to the playoffs, and once again they were first-round fodder. So that's the challenge for them is to get to the playoffs and then to, to make a, a run, even if it's a short-term run, a long-term run, whatever the case may be, have some sort of uh, a, a certain amount of playoff success. Uh, so right now, uh, they're behind the eight ball. Uh, they're behind Calgary, certainly, and they've got a bunch of teams to try to leapfrog to get closer to the Flames as well. They're not completely out of it, which is why I think Bill Guerin stepped up and made the coaching move. And it's Dean Evison and Bob Woods who get shown the door, and John Hines comes in with a new-look staff there in Minnesota. So still enough time to get things turned around. That's certainly what they're hoping in Edmonton these days as well, coming off their recent coaching change. 
You think Dean Evison gets a, a pass in some people's mind, given the fact that he's operating with a team that, look, Bill Guerin made the big moves when he came in. And, and let's be honest, this is a team that's sitting with a, a buyout you know, penalty right now of $14 million on their books. And there's nothing that Dean Evison can do about that. Is that a bit of a pass when you, you look at his record in Minnesota, maybe as to why it didn't work out for him? Yeah, I think you've got to put an asterisk beside it. There's no question. Uh, I think that coaches go in there and they probably got one hand tied behind their backs because there's only a certain amount that they can do. Uh, but it's what you sign up for. As we say, I mean, there are 32 jobs like this in the, in the best league in the world. And if you're fortunate to get one of them, you work with what you've got. Uh, you know, we certainly know other teams that are pressed up against the cap as well and don't have much in the way of wiggle room. You look at Vancouver with the job that Rick Tockett has done out there in a pretty short period of time and what he's been able to accomplish. So that's not the most ideal cap situation either. As we know, uh, it'll become intensified, of course, when they get the EP40 contract extension done as Mammoth as that's going to be also. So uh, you kind of know what you're, you're signing up for. Uh, you take your swing, you do the best you can. And for the most part, Dean Evans in the past couple of years, I think, has extracted as much as he can out of that club now the focus is on the general manager bill Guerin, because as we know most gms uh, probably get one chance to make that that coaching change and then after that uh, the pressure intensifies on the general manager himself you feel like john hines is the right guy to get that ship turned around in a short period Boy, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. He's, he's had a little bit of success in New Jersey. He's had a little bit of success uh, certainly going down to Nashville there for three seasons or so, one of which was the 56-game shortened season. Uh, he has not displayed to this point the ability to get the team to the playoffs, again, to make that run that you're expecting to have. But I think what won the day for John Hines in returning behind an NHL bench, in this case Minnesota, is the fact that he's got a great familiarity. He's got a great working relationship with a guy like Bill Garrett because they go back to their days together in the American Hockey League with the baby Penguins in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Pennsylvania. So I think that, you know, Bill said, look, if there's somebody who can turn things around, I want to bring a guy in that I'm firmly uh, on board with, that I know what he's got to offer. And I think John Hines was that guy, and he was available. Scott Laughlin wrong with us from Sirius XM NHL Network Radio on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Uh, Scott, I do want to bring this up, and I, I want to be gentle about it because there's a lot that goes on on the Internet, and uh, a mm -hmm. lot of it is is crap and, and doesn't need to be out there. But I guess just giving your thoughts on this Chicago situation, we know that Corey Perry has been placed on waivers today. The Blackhawks have a statement out that they plan on terminating his contract if and when he clears waivers. We'll hear from Kyle Davidson uh, a little bit later on today. He's set to address the media. But uh, for a team like Chicago that's gone through so much the last couple of years and talked about transparency and talked about uh, you know, the, the new way of doing business in Chicago. Are, are you surprised they've let this story get to the sort of craziness that it has right now and that they haven't taken more control of the situation and been more upfront to kind of shield a guy like Connor Bedard from all of this? I am surprised, Logan. And when you're talking about an 18-year-old face of the franchise having to endure some of this crazy speculation and all the rumors and innuendo as crazy as they are, that are right now circulating out there. I feel bad for the kid, right? I mean, 100%. somebody somebody you would think would have to get out in front of this and protect the kid because he doesn't deserve to get this sort of innuendo and speculation uh, about he and a member of his family certainly you know, running rampant on the Internet. So I think here somebody's got to say something at some point. 
And I'd like to think that the truth is going to come out, or somewhere close to the truth is going to come out. Uh, so you can put an end to this crazy speculation where he is the guy in the crosshairs right now, through no fault of his own, by the way. Uh, and you'd hope that the Hawks, again, now that this investigation has been terminated, uh, either they'll come out and say something. Now, I understand that uh, coming up at uh, 5 o'clock Eastern time, 4 o'clock Central, I understand that Kyle Davidson's going to meet with the media to address this even further. So maybe the Hawks can, can step up and say a little bit more today to, to, again, get out there and protect the face of your franchise, the entire future of your franchise with Connor Bedard, too. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm interested to hear what Kyle's got to say. Uh, I think Luke Richardson was kind of thrown to the wolves uh, recently when he had to get out there and say it's an organizational decision. And for a guy that normally answers each and every question you've got, uh, he couldn't really answer anything. Yeah. So I think that it's incumbent on the Hawks to come out and say a little bit more. I also think that Corey Perry, uh, if he clears waivers, well, let's face it, it's not a question, when he clears waivers, because no one's picking up that cap hit on a guy with this uncertainty uh, amidst an internal investigation with the Hawks going on, uh, he's going to have to clear waivers, and then he'll be a free agent. Somebody can go out there and sign him, but I'm sure that they want to do their due diligence to find out exactly uh, what really the the misconduct or the misstep was uh, when it comes to Corey Perry. So, again, just to wrap it up, I just think, Logan, I, I feel the worst for Connor Bedard, and I'm hoping that somebody gets out there and protects him to a certain extent. Maybe that's Kyle Davidson coming up later on this afternoon. Uh, really well said, Scott. Appreciate uh, your take on that. I know it's a, a tough one to navigate uh, between everything that's going on on the internet, but I really appreciate uh, your great words on that. Thank you for joining us today, Scott. I really do appreciate it. I hope we can do this again, man. It was great to chat with you. I would love to, Logan. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Scott Laughlin joining us this afternoon down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline from Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Uh, Taylor and Cam put that in the bank as a callback on our uh, uh, guest list. That was an excellent conversation with Scott around the NHL. And yes, I've seen your text at nine six zero nine six zero. I've mentioned the Corey Perry situation, and I want to be gentle with it um, because I, I don't know anything about it. Yes, I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, every social media except for TikTok. Um, I've seen it. I've read it. I have no idea how true it is. Um, it's frustrating. I think the Blackhawks, um, stunning, handled it very, very poorly. Going back to last week when, uh, as Scott mentioned, Luke Richardson was put out in front of this. They just said he was away from the team that they had sent him away. They didn't say that they were doing an investigation or looking into something. The Blackhawks just continually, you'd think, would have learned something from the Kyle Beach situation, but just continue to fumble it and... The person I do feel worse for is Connor Bedard. The kid's 18 years old. And as much NHL stardom as he's already had to deal with for a a teenager, and that's hard enough to deal with, uh, throw in all of this that he's had nothing to do with and is just trying to navigate his first season of NHL hockey, he doesn't deserve uh, any of this. And I I hope he's dealing with it okay because I, I can't even imagine the kind of spotlight that already exists for the kids. So, yeah, uh, we're not going to get into it uh, again because I don't know anything. I'm not going to speculate on anything that I don't know about on the airwaves. It just would be irresponsible of me. Um, But I do, and I will say, I think Chicago fumbled the bag, and I think Kyle Davidson today uh, on this Tuesday, when he comes out and speaks to the media, needs to do the right thing, and that's be as upfront and transparent about the situation as possible. No beating around the bush. No, 
you know, regular PR BS that's come out of that organization for years about different organizations. Uh, you owe it as an organization of the NHL to be upfront and honest, because as an organization, you proved you can't do that. Going back to the Kyle Beach situation. And secondly, uh, if you want to maintain a good relationship with the potential franchise star in your organization in Connor Bedard, you better get out in front of this and you better handle it the right way. We'll see what happens uh, when Kyle Davidson addresses the media um, a little bit later on. And as our pal Matt and Cochran uh, text in on the fan feedback line, which is always open to you. If you want to chat, send us a text at 960-960. Matt nails it perfectly. He says, when they're vague and avoid the issue, you get crazy rumors such as the current one. And I couldn't agree with you more, Matt. Get out in front of it. Deal with it. And be upfront and transparent, and none of this happens. But, uh, as we've learned, Chicago just doesn't like to do that. Uh, We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Kicking off Hour 2, chatting some NFL with our pal Zig Fercasi. Going to go back to the Sirius XM well and uh, head to the NFL side of things. Frank Reich is out in Carolina. He didn't even last one season with the Panthers. How much is he to blame? How much is Bryce Young to blame? What even happens in Carolina? They don't have their first-round pick to help Bryce Young this season. Chicago has that. We'll talk to Zig about that. We'll also talk about that snoozer of a Monday night game and the disappointment for the Vikings who weren't able to pick up a key win as they try to keep pace in the NFC. All of that and more as Sportsnet Today rolls on to Tuesday edition here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.